audio from Emmanuel Church in Birmingham, Alabama. For more resources like this one, go to EmmanuelBirmingham.com.
that is very, very familiar to you. But you want to hear it, read it, take it in, eat it, drink it in a fresh way. Here's a Bible study tip. Ask yourself the question, okay, what do I wish this would say? Like, left to my own devices, my own thoughts, my own sort of human wisdom, what do I wish this text would say? And I'm going to tell you this morning what I wish this passage would say, particularly verse 3 of Psalm 23, the second part of it. It says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for His namesake. But this is what I wish this he leads me in such a way that it's always plainly obvious which path I'm supposed to take. <laughs> and this is morning is as good a time as ever to tell you that that is not normally how the Lord leads us. So I'm 40 years old, and I can think of two times in my life where I feel like the Lord led me with that kind of See, this passage, or this verse in particular, these two lines, are about the way the Lord actually leads us. And I hope by the end of our brief time together, you'll see that he leads us differently than we would want. But he leads us better than we can imagine. So let's take a look at these two phrases from this couple of lines. I'm going to talk to you about paths of righteousness. I'm going to briefly talk to you about for his namesake. And then I want to try to apply the, those two phrases to your heart like a medicine. Um, so if you are the kind of person who likes an outline in advance so that the preacher, you listen to the preacher and you're thinking, where is he going with this? That's where I'm going with this. Going to talk about paths of righteousness, going to talk about for his namesake, and then I want to just try to apply it to your heart. So let's take a look at these, this first phrase. He restores my soul, he leads me in paths of righteousness. Some of your translations might say righteous paths or right paths, proper paths. And there's some layers here. What is the psalmist trying to tell us? There's some layers here. here here's, I'm just going to kind of unfold some of the layers for you. The idea of a path that is right, a right path, has to do with a good path. Um, the proper path, the correct path, the path that will actually get you to the place you're supposed to go. Which in the case of a shepherd who would be leading sheep, a path that would eventually, by the end of the day, get you home. See, God promises, our Lord promises that every single path that he guides us down will get us to where we're supposed to be. It will get us there safely. It will get us there securely. And to press it a little bit further, that path that he leads us down will be for our, and a key word here, ultimate Here's another way to say it. Every path that the Lord leads us down will never take us down a road that is not ultimately 
good for us. So when my um, oldest son was in kindergarten, when he, when he first began kindergarten at the local elementary school, it was a really difficult, painful experience for him. He struggled with sort of enormous anxiety to walk into this big school. Um, it, it was one of the things where, and if you're a parent, you might have experienced this before, but when we would pull up to the carpool, he wouldn't get out. And the problem is, is in the carpool, you got to get out. Like, you can't wait a lot. I mean, you know, we're moving through here, and if they delay, I mean, it's just like people start honking in, and people, school officials start, I mean, it's just, you got to get out of the car. But he wouldn't. And I'm driving, and I say, you got to get out. And, and he's like, kind of like, you can't make me. And he was right. <laughs> so on more than one occasion, I had to pull out of the carpool line, talk, beg, plead, bribe, all, all kinds of other things. Like, like you just got to get out of the car. It came to the point where I would have to pick him up and physically take him to the front of the school, sign him in, open the door, and physically shove him into the room and close the door with the back behind him. My little five-year-old boy was just battling some deep anxiety. Now we began meeting with the principal and his teacher, a couple other officials at the school, and my wife and I, behind the scenes, were guiding him into just the right path for him that was going to be for his good and his flourishing. Of course, you can see that. But it turns out I'm not the only father that guides in that way. Now, notice when I say that he leads us down paths that are for our ultimate good. Ultimate good. Leads us down paths that will get us to where we need to go ultimately. Notice I'm not saying a path that will be easy for you to walk. I'm not saying that. I'm not saying it will be a path preferable for you. I'm not saying that it will be just super light and, and free. I mean, look at where the path leads next. The valleys of the shadow of death. I'm not saying that you'll necessarily see the ultimate good on the other side. Meeting. See, God's way he tends to lead us is one step at a time with enough grace for one day at a time. That's typically how God leads. I'm not saying he's even going to lead you quickly out of whatever trouble you're facing. See, if you're like me, and you might not be, but if you're like me, you tend to perceive of the Lord as the great endorser of all your plans. Now listen, and this is precious. Because God is committed to only leading us down paths that are for our ultimate good, he at the same time has to have another commitment, which is to take any not good thing and begin to work it for our good. In, in other words, he becomes a God, a Lord, 
who redeems every difficult thing. One of my favorite hymns is a hymn called How Firm a Foundation. And one of the most precious lines in it, it announces that our God is a God who sanctifies to us our deepest distresses. In other words, he takes the painful, difficult things, he reworks them in such a way that he gives them back to us somehow, ultimately as blessing. So that's one layer, righteous paths. Here's a second kind of layer to this phrase, righteous paths. Because the word righteous, or paths of righteousness, the word righteous or righteousness in the Old Testament is a really kind of big phrase. It has to do with things that align according to God's character. See, the picture in the Old Testament is this, that our world is bent out of whack. It's misshapen and it's twisted. And this is me doing misshapen, twisted things with my arms. <laughs> but a righteous path is like a perfectly straight plumb line. And see, it's God and his perfect character that's a perfect straight plumb line, but our world is bent out of shape. And see, righteousness has to do with the things that God must do to take bent out of shape things and make them align according to his perfect character and will. So, so, so what would that mean for us? Well, what it means for us is that God's the kind of God that makes every path for us ultimately walkable in such a way that we can obey him and please him in it no matter what. See, you guys know this, this uh, Bible verse that, that end up on, you know, bumper stickers and, you know, on screen mean things or whatever. But, but one of these Bible verses, Proverbs 3, 5, 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your understanding, or trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Y'all, here's what I used to think that meant. I used to think it mean, meant if I was facing some difficult thing or difficult decision... If I would trust in the Lord with all my heart, which I perceive to mean close my eyes and pray really hard, that I would open my eyes and God would show me which decision to make. And perhaps, you know, in my room there, uh, some, some wagon would appear on the wall to tell me what I'm supposed to do. Or, or I would suddenly see a sign of something, like a friend would call and used some sort of word that prompted me to realize that God was trying to send me. I used to think it meant stuff like that. But see, what it actually means is as we've been walking the road, however arduous it might be, he promises to meet us with grace there so we can walk it. Which is a very different kind of promise. In other words, he provides a way for you to be faithful regardless of how difficult it might be. There's always a way to be obedient. There's always a way to be faithful. So that's paths of righteousness. That's his first phrase. And now this second phrase. He leads me on paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In the ancient world, the world of this text, wealthy landowners would have land and they'd have flocks of sheep or goats or cattle or whatever. I guess a cattle's not a flock, a cattle would be a herd. But they'd have, they'd have livestock and, 
And wealthy landowners would hire a shepherd to tend to the sheep. And see, that shepherd's entire reputation, professionally, as well as personally, traded on that shepherd's ability to get the sheep home, to tend to them carefully, to give them everything they need, to protect them with great vigilance. The shepherd's entire reputation, professionally, personally, would have staked on the shepherd's ability to do that well. And that's actually what the Lord is saying here. Put it this way. God has staked his very reputation on guiding you properly. He's staked his entire sort of divine reputation on the fact that he will care for you with tenderness. He staked his entire divine reputation that he will protect you from evil. He staked his entire divine reputation on the fact that he won't let you go down a road in which he'll leave you alone. See, this is God's way of saying that he, he doesn't want people to get the wrong idea about him. That he'd be the kind of God that would leave his sheep just to walk some difficult road while he you know, goes about running the universe or whatever. This is God's way of saying that, that he doesn't want to be misunderstood as the kind of God that would not guide us rightly. Yo, I'm, a, I'm a person who, who hates being misunderstood. So does God. In other words, and I really want you to hear me this morning. If you don't hear anything else I say, this is the thing to hear. It's the precious truth of our faith. And I want it to be seared into your soul this morning. The most powerful being in the entire universe is also the most kind and also the most committed to caring for you. The most powerful being in the entire universe is most kind and most arduously committed to tending to you. So paths of righteousness he leads us down paths that are for our ultimate, ultimate good. Not easy, not what we'd have chosen, but for our ultimate good. And this idea that he leads us down paths in such a way that they become walkable. We can obey him through it. And the fact that he does this for his name's sake, the fact that he stakes his entire reputation on these things. These promises of Psalm 23, of course, find their yes and amen in the person and work of Jesus. Let me just talk to you about that briefly. See, it's Jesus Christ. And this is Jesus we're talking about. It's Jesus Christ who becomes incarnate in human skin and walks all the same roads that we do. This is Jesus who knew what it was like to be rejected, who knew what it was like to feel alone, who knew what it was like to feel the overwhelming assault of the devil. This is Jesus who knew what it was like to be misunderstood, to be abandoned by family. This is Jesus who under, knew, knew what it was like to be abandoned by friends. This is Jesus who knew what it was like to live in a frail, broken, decaying human body. 
The book of Hebrews tells us that Jesus Christ is a perfect, sympathetic high priest, able to sympathize with us in our every weakness. Let me tell you, friends at Emmanuel, what that means. It means if you were to sit down and have coffee with Jesus Christ, and I, I don't actually know if Jesus Christ drinks coffee, but if you were to sit down and have coffee with Jesus, and you would tell him about the difficult, painful, Realities of your life, you know, the real things. Jesus Christ could look back at you and he could say to you, I know. If it has not happened for you already, it will happen to you at some point where just knowing that he knows will be an overwhelming comfort for you. Just knowing that he knows. Secondly, Jesus Christ, he's promised us finally, yes, name in Jesus Christ, because it's Jesus Christ who's secured our ultimate safety. See, the Bible teaches us that when Jesus goes to the cross, that he defeats and he destroys the power of the devil. That he triumphs over his enemies. That he gives us, he buys for us forgiveness for our sins, union with himself. Life forevermore that we get to taste in this life and in increasing degree in the life that is to come. As if that were not enough, it's our Lord Jesus who promises his spirit as a comfort to guide us, to walk alongside of us. Again, this will be a tremendous gift to you in pain and suffering. Alright, finally. I want to take the things I've told you and I want to try to press them into your heart. Apply them like a medicine. First, I imagine that there could possibly be someone in the room this morning that for the most part you're pretty full of joy today. When you take stock of your life, you have sort of really lived in a tangible, obvious, abundant way in the goodness of God as we just saw. And if, this, that, if that's you this morning, if the paths that he has led you down recently have been paths that have been light and free and full of joy, I want to tell you, praise God for that. May this morning be a, a, a moment where you just get to celebrate the good things that he's done for you. You get to come to this table, which is great thanksgiving in your heart because of the ways in which he's led you. I'm telling you, praise God for that. It's necessary. Um, I, you know, it's hard for me, Joel, with me to feel joy. This is a little bit of a side note. It's not in the notes. But it's hard for me to feel joy. And here's why. Because when I feel joy, I'm afraid that something bad's going to happen that's going to take it away from me. But I want to give you permission this morning to feel joy. You know, it's really important because there are going to be moments where the path will look different for you. And it's moments of remembering when it looked like this for you that will help you when it looks like that for you. Does that make sense? So if you're here this morning and you're just so deeply thankful for the paths he's led you down recently, praise God. Now, secondly, there may be someone in this room where you're not exactly great with the ways in which he's led. You 
rejoice Satan. This shepherd, what a shepherd would have done in the ancient world, and this shepherd, Jesus in particular, would have been a healer. And I just want you to hear me say to you directly, more can be healed and redeemed than you know. Thirdly, there may be someone in this room who's maybe just fearful about what might lie ahead. And let me just tell you, I understand. And let me also tell you that you don't have to be afraid. Because there is a capital S someone watching out for you and tending to your every move. Fear need not dominate you. Because the perfect love of our Lord Jesus Christ has a way of casting out fear. Fourthly, maybe there's someone here this morning who just in general is uncertain. It's not even necessarily fearful, it's just uncertainty. And I want to tell you that, that I understand that, but as a saint of another generation reminded us before, you can always, always, always trust an uncertain future to a very, 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 very certain God. And not only is that possible, it's even wise to me. It makes sense to me. shepherding care of our Lord is the most certain thing in all the world. Let's pray. Lord, these truths are easier, of course, to talk about from a pulpit than to take hold of in the very real things that we face and experience. So Lord, we ask by the power of your spirit that you would take these things and that you would use them Pray that they would build our faith. They would give us great comfort. Lord, we pray this in the name of our Lord Jesus.